0: Uh, Luke chapter 6, then, beginning in verse 39, I hear the word of God as it speaks here about Jesus. <clears throat> he, that is Jesus, he, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of, the evil tre- out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them Is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the stream broke against it. Immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The grass withers, uh, the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord uh, endures forever. And we pray there would be among us. Uh, What we have in this passage is even not just one parable, uh, but, a, but a collection of parables that we'll go on to look at, this, this speck and log, this, uh, these trees and the house and its foundations. But Jesus starts off with an illustration about discipleship, about learning and maturity, about who leads and follows or how they lead and how, how it goes. A lot of you are at uh, Florida State uh, for a p- particular reason, reason, not just because we have an awesome football team and won a national championship and we're going to be on the top for a while. Um, not just because of the great atmosphere and the beautiful campus and all these things, but also because of the programs that are here. Some of you came for a particular program, maybe even to be under a particular uh, professor or to be part of the music school or the business school or the chemistry uh, program. And uh, and there's, there's things there that you wanted to learn from. And, uh, today it 's not just that you 're confined to whatever teacher you have that 's all that you get to learn you 've got uh, other books that you can read and resources on the library and write and writing. who knows what kind of stuff you can learn from the internet um, all kind of things good maybe maybe a little off maybe someone 's been playing with uh, with Wikipedia a little bit um, but because jesus says your um, uh, a disciple's not above his teacher but everyone is fully trained when he, when he uh, it becomes like his teacher. You're aiming to, here's these people that know something that can lead you in a direction that's going to be a good and helpful for you. I was talking to a guy uh, the other day who's, uh, who's part of the film school. If you don't know, FSU has an incredible uh, film school. And he was really excited about it because FSU Film School trains you well for the job so that you know what you're doing when, you get, when you're a part of that industry. And you make a lot of connections uh, to the industry so that you can come out of it uh, doing film. And he has a trust that in learning uh, from this school, they're going to disciple him, lead him, mature him as, a film, uh, as part of the film industry where he'll find uh, jobs coming out of it. He's got good reason uh, for that trust and those connections maybe have good reasons for coming uh, to fsu jesus is is teaching here uh, about discipleship but he's teaching about a spiritual uh, discipleship Uh, not just some aspect of how to live a life for a particular thing maybe how to live a good life or fulfilling or right but particularly how to have relationship uh, with god how to even have a fullness of life uh, and life eternally that comes uh, through him the parable, the illustration, this teaching story that Jesus uh, starts with, he speaks of one blind person leading another blind person. Uh, and will they not both uh, fall into a pit? <clears throat> Saw a blind person uh, walking across campus today, did not fall into a pit. It's very glad, walking through the union uh, with a friend who was there with him uh, and, you know, the stick to, to go around. Uh, th- this is in a different day when Jesus is, is talking where um, you didn't have crosswalks that, you know, like buzz or click at you to let you know it's safe to cr- cross. And that's, that's not just for, like, when you're texting and not looking up. Uh, that, that's actually uh, to help out uh, beyond that. Um, <clears throat> Jesus isn't—he's um, not making fun of a disability, uh, but he's, but he's giving us an, an example, uh, speaking about discipleship, speaking about life and life and pursuit of living uh, well before God and living for God. <clears throat> if One blind person's leading another—it's not going to go so well. I'll give a few other examples, uh, just for fun. It would be the, the example that Jesus is bringing out is worse than. What might be familiar recently or a couple years back for the, of like two freshmen uh, trying to get around campus together, um, like there's, you know, but still there, you're like, you're at least providing some friendship with one another, maybe one of you knows where at least one building on campus is, and you're like, no, I think we're down by the stadium, it's on the, it's on the other side, right, and you figure it out eventually, and there's fun, and there's, uh, there's a bit of joy, and <clears throat> it's a bit worse, a little, little bit more drastic, um, you know, maybe you can relate more on the example of if you don't have a car and you're hoping to get to the grocery store, a few weeks in, Suwannee's not tasting as good anymore, whatever, and you're, <laughs> if you're looking to get to the grocery store and a friend's like, hey, maybe we could go together. And you're like, oh, that's great. Do you have a car? <laughs> it's like, no, but like, maybe we could go together. <laughs> like, that's really not going to help us get all these groceries um, back, to, uh, back to where we come from. You've taken a few harder classes or you're in a few harder classes. You're taking the organic chemistry or something and, you know, there's just a conversation and the difficulties of it. You're having trouble understanding the material. Someone else is like, hey, man, I'm I'm lost. I'm clueless in organic chemistry right now. Let's get together and have a study group. <laughs> right? And you're, you kind of have to weigh through that a little bit. You're like, so I don't understand it. You don't understand it. When we get together, is that going to be better or is that, that going to end up worse, right? <laughs> um maybe maybe a classic or common one is is a uh, uh, college students who meet you got the a uh, couple that start start dating they have the hots for one another and they're trying to set uh, good boundaries for the relationship classically two are going to fall into a pit one type or another like if you got a computer problem, uh, you don't just uh, you don't just ask anyone for who can who can help out with, with your computer. You, you know who's the uh, you know who's the Best Buy kind of geek squad person that can that can get that taken care of. Um, <clears throat> car problem, your car breaks down. It doesn't help if you just call other friends. You've got to get that to the, to the mechanic. You can tell who just called their friends. You ever seen the car that's broken down? The hood's open, and like six people are all standing around looking in the hood going, I think that's the engine right there. <laughs> I don't see anything broken. I don't know why it won't start. Um, right. When well, we're clueless, when we're lost, uh, it, it takes more than just another uh, lost, clueless person for something to go somewhere. Uh, Jesus speaking even more uh, drastically um, in spiritual life. There's that blindness of what's there, being led by another that doesn't have any more of an idea. Uh, they're just heading for danger. But, but, but here's the thing. If you think about that parable for a little bit, uh, if you're the blind person and someone comes up to you and says, Hey, do you need a hand? Where are you trying to go? I'll, I'll give you some help getting there. You probably just say, oh, thanks. You probably don't ask, wait a second, are you able to see? Do you actually know where we're, where we're going? Um, if it's a blind person that's offering help, uh, that's not necessarily uh, helping out. And, and more than that, Jesus is, is pointing out that the person leading may not realize that they're blind. He's got a particular angle uh, against the Pharisees here some other things that are, that are also true. Um, the religious rulers of his day, he's making a contrast between them and himself. It would apply to uh, many in our day as well. Uh, that the person leading uh, may not realize or admit their own lack of sight. So how do you know who to follow in life? How do you know who to follow for spiritual uh, learning, and maturing and discipleship, or even even how to lead. So first, the speck. Jesus goes from that into this story, the parable about the, the speck. He speaks to us being blind uh, to our own faults. It's kind of a great, uh, great story. It's a little, little much uh, for me uh, here. He says, um, uh, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that's in your own eye? One of those stories that you don't really want to picture, right, I'll admit I have kind of an eye-phobia. If I see people putting contacts in, like near me or in class, like I just have to turn and look the other way, can't really deal with it. The speck in the eye, kind of of too much for me there, okay? The eye's red, you're like, no, everything, you get away from it, and then here comes someone with like a two-by-four coming out of their eye. Right, you don't want the, the video movie version of uh, of this parable uh, at all. And right, when you have when you have something stuck in your eye, like everything else stops. Um, you could have been running, you could be in the middle of a test, you could be whatever's going on, and everything's like, ah, I've got something in my eye. Uh, it's irritating this too much. Something needs to change. Something needs to uh, be fixed. But even then, if someone comes over. Like, oh, I can help. And you look up through your one good eye that you can still see, and there's this log, this plank, like, somehow stuck into their eye. And they're like, I can see it. It's on the right side. Like, you're like, run. Like, get away from that person. Keep moving. Something's better to happen. But right, There's no way I'm going to the office of the blind ophthalmologist, um, the blind eye doctor. Where somebody's got a plank in his eye. All right, maybe, maybe a less frightening example, at least to people with eye phobias like me, um, you're not going to take diet and exercise advice uh, from someone who's over 500 pounds and they're on the infomercial and they're like, what I've done is I avoid carbs. You're like, nah, I'm not just going to listen to it just because. Now maybe if they've been part of The Biggest Loser and now they've won The Biggest Loser and you've seen the whole transformation, they've admitted what was going on, here's all these things that have happened, now you're like, oh, how did you do it? You've got a story to tell, things have happened, that want to be a part of uh, but, but too often there's this plenty of examples of seeing the speck in someone else uh, when, there's, when there's a log. <coughs> one person seeing the speck and pointing out all the problems with something else uh, when there's a log coming out of their own eye. Uh, there's plenty of examples of that, and sometimes, sometimes we're those examples. Um, sometimes the way we act with one another, the way we act on the campus... <coughs> Uh, sometimes I do. If you if you always notice things wrong with others, they're irritating specks, um, but you never admit your own struggles. Um, you should be connecting to this passage. Maybe that's looking down on campus life, um, the parties, uh, the the Greek scene, the athletics, uh, the hookup culture, or maybe it's sneering at Christians. And uh, religious people, without realizing their own hypocritical judgmentalism that looks down on them. See, as Jesus talks about at the core of spiritual maturity, is not, it's not strength. It's realizing our need. It's realizing our, our weakness, our brokenness, and our failures. It's realizing there's something that needs to be fixed uh, in us. There's a speck, there's this plank uh, that needs to be dealt with great uh, article that I saw uh, online this summer when I was working through this text, I had to go back and find it. I'll try to post it on the REF uh, group uh, tomorrow sometime. It's called A Theory of Jerks. Um, I really like this. It's called A Theory, Theory of Jerks by this guy, uh, Eric Um And the idea of it is how to deal with the jerk, how to recognize the jerk, he says, if you come across him in the wild. But also how to know if you are one. Because right? the thing about the jerk is the jerk probably doesn't listen to what anyone else says, and they never really recognize that they're, that they're the jerk. He's a, it's interesting he's kind of a philosophy guy that goes into this. He's got this whole theory about it. But he, he starts, it, starts an article like this. Um, just describing the, the describing experience from this point of view. The line of people in the post office is a mass of unimportant fools. It's a felt injustice that you must wait while they bumble with their request. The flight attendant is not a potentially interesting person with their own cares and struggles, uh, but instead the most available face of a corporation that stupidly insists that you shut your phone. Really? Do I have to press, press the airplane button? Uh, custodians and secretaries are lazy complainers who rightly get the scut work. I don't know what scut is. Uh, the person who disagrees with you at the staff meeting is an idiot to be shot down. Entering the subway is an exercise in nudging past the dumb schmoes. And the point, as he goes on to put it, is if you're surrounded by idiots, guess who's the jerk? If you're always seeing, here's these problems and these stupid people out here, and what they're going through, and this is why my life is so hard, then maybe that says something about there might be something sticking out of your eye. And maybe they don't just all need you to tell them how they should live their life differently or better or what's going on there, but maybe you need to realize something about yourself. Or maybe that's you. Maybe you've been surrounded by people like that and it's made a big impression on how you think of yourself or what your life ought to be like or how you need to continually be reshaping It can never be enough. Um, the question Jesus asks is why? He says in verse 41, uh, right? why? Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Yeah, he also goes on to say, how can you say I'll I'll, I'll, I can, uh, that you can remove that one. The idea of that is more rhetorical. You, you're not really going to be able to remove the speck in their eye if you can't see clearly because there's a log in your own. But, but why? Um, why can we be so blind uh, to our own faults? It, it seems that a lot of times we tend to, tend to have some need uh, to think that we're okay, to think that we're enough, that we have it together. That we're not as bad as those dumb smoes waiting in the line with their bumbling requests at the post office or waiting to get their mail. It's so much easier to criticize, but we have a very strong aversion a lot of times to seeing faults in ourselves. Jesus' kingdom, he's saying and pointing out to us through this parable, Jesus' kingdom looks very different. Uh, Jesus comes for the blind. He comes as the one who is the light, who sees. Uh, He comes for the blind to give them sight. He comes for the needy, for the broken, for the hurting, uh, for the sinful, for the confused. Aren't sure which way to go. And while, yes, he convicts of sin and exposes things that we didn't want to see, we try to refuse to see, he also lavishes on forgiveness uh, and love and mercy and even healing, uh, restoring a sight. <clears throat> he's not one that, that from him you see all the faults and he just calls out other little things. Uh, he's one that we can come to as we need healing, admitting our brokenness, be it a speck or a log, and say, you are the one who I need to learn from. Disciple me, heal me, allow me to see again and walk clearly. The beginning of discipleship, uh, the criteria for, for continuing that discipleship is always admitting our great need of Jesus. See, when we're blind to our own faults, when we're, when we're not wanting to admit it, what we're saying is we have no real need for Jesus. If what he did in his work was coming for sinners, that he, he hung on the cross and experienced the punishment uh, for guilt and sin, and we're saying, I don't see anything wrong with me. We're saying, your work was completely useless to me. It's irrelevant. I don't really have any of that. But I see some other people that have some issues. Uh, and as we, ad- we admit our own blindness, we come to him as the one who has dealt with that sin, the things we're ashamed of, the things we're trying to I refuse to see. He draws it out but shows forgiveness, opens our eyes to the things we would be blind to. Goes on from the speck, though, to talk about the tree, or the, or the two trees. Not only are we just blind to some of our own faults, we can be blind even to our own nature. He says, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. I don't know about for you, but but this statement of Jesus can sometimes really get in the way of some of my ideals for myself, the way I'd like to think of myself as being, it gets in the way of my pride and my conceit and my visions of, of grandeur. We all like to think of ourselves as, uh, we all like to, to put the best image of ourselves and say, that's, that's who I am. We take our hopes and our dreams and our ideals, our expectations for what our life might be like in the future. And we're like, that's who I'm going to be. That's who I am. That's the person I'm uh, becoming. We like to think of ourselves as better or more impressive at least than a lot of other people maybe might, might see us, maybe than we are. And Jesus' statement just strips away a lot of the excuses and rationalizations and, and pretending. Uh, there's, there's just two types of trees. Um, and you can tell what they are by, by what they produce. Uh, there's the trees that produce thorns and there's trees that produce uh, fruit. But Jesus pushes a little bit further. Uh, he connects it to the heart. Um, he connects it to the, to the heart uh, that, that's connected to the mouth, right? He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, Jesus not, isn't just dealing with, with the externals of, you know what? Here's what you, if you're part of Jesus' uh, kingdom, you just need to put on a different behavior. If you can just change some of these things, then everything will be all right. That's the way a lot of people approach religion. That's the way a lot of people approach Christianity. It's not the way Jesus or the Bible or the gospel uh, speaks of it. He's not just concerned with externals, he's concerned with the heart, but he's saying these externals are giving evidence of what's what's going on in our heart. It's out of the overflow, the abundance of the heart that the the mouth speaks, that our actions uh, come from. What is it that actually comes out of your heart? Uh, What does it reveal? I I tell uh, prospective students, I come talk to me sometimes about FSU. I tell them that at FSU, um, everything is an option. Big school, tons of people, tons of clubs, so many things you can get in. FSU, I tell them, everything is an option, good, bad, and otherwise. Um, And and I think you find out a lot about yourself by what you end up choosing, uh, by what you find out that you do once you're here. It's going to be great things. It's going to be things that you never uh, saw yourself doing in a good way, a bad way, or, or otherwise. But we tend to tell ourselves something else, though. We tend to tell ourselves when things happen that, that we didn't want to, that we don't like, that don't reflect well about us. Uh, we tend to tell ourselves something else and say, that's not really me. I know I know that happened, but, but that's not really me. Um, I, I can dwell on specs of myself enough that if I have to look up a word that I think I should have known, I'm like, that's not really me. I really knew that. I really knew that, right? I just, I just it was slipping my mind for a moment or whatever. Like, we want to think of ourselves uh, better that way. Or put it in some different examples where um, we tell ourselves, that's not real. I'm not, I'm not really a druggie. <laughs> I'm not really a druggie. I just enjoyed trying it several times. And it's, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say it's great, but I really, you know, liked it. We'll see. I, that probably will never happen again because that's not really me. That's, that's a lot of people. Uh, or maybe this is more common for, uh, for some of you. Um, that one, the first one's probably plenty common. But, uh, but I'm, not, I'm not a slacker. No, like I know I haven't been for class for the past couple of weeks, but but I'm really not a slacker. Usually, like in high school, I was great. I was on top of my homework all the time. I'm just I'm just going through a slump right now, right? Um, it's like a baseball thing. Uh, I'm, I'm not a slut. I've just been in several relationships at the same time. Just just happened to be at the same time. Um, maybe. You know, maybe, maybe you hear people talk it this way sometimes. I think we even put the, put the caveats at the beginning. You know, I would never look down on someone, or I'm never one that wants to gossip about someone, but I am just aghast at the things that I heard that she did. Right? Uh, and it just comes out, and we're like, oh, we're defending our own reputation even as we're undermining it. Um, when we tell ourselves, no, that's not really me, there's this blindness to who we are. Oh, there's a blindness that the things that we do might actually say something about us, might represent something about us beyond just behavior as Jesus talks it, even down uh, to the heart. Uh, there's a great quote, I forget, uh, forget who, um, where this comes from, but uh, a quote that just kind of exposes that some ways and just says, hey, you, you are your Google search history. Uh, what you looked up, what you spent uh, time in, that tells a lot about what your interests are, what you wanted. Uh, who you are? Listen, if an if an oak tree, uh, figs, grapes, I don't spend as much time with those. All right, if an oak tree uh, keeps telling you that it's an apple tree, hey, I'm an apple tree. I'm, uh, like I'm if an oak tree keeps on telling you day after day that it's actually an apple tree, how many times are you going to keep picking up the acorn and taking a bite into it and being really disappointed that it wasn't really juicy? <laughs> I knew it wasn't red on the outside, but it said it, was, said it was an apple tree, so it had to be an apple tree. You, you know it by its, by its fruit. Uh, the uh, figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, bushes nor grapes picked from bramble bushes. And Jesus isn't talking about agriculture. He's talking about us. He says the good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces uh, evil. Or uh, in a different place. In uh, Matthew uh, 15, uh, Jesus says it's out of the heart that come evil thoughts and murder and adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander, even evil thoughts. Where do they come from? It's, it's saying something about our heart and what our desires and intentions uh, are. So a lot of times we're blind uh, to our own nature. We don't want to To see that that could be us. Now now listen, though, that doesn't doesn't mean that there's no hope. Uh, That doesn't mean that there's no hope for us if we've ever done uh, bad things. I think, in fact, the other way around, the reason that we tend to be blind uh, to the depth of our sin, uh, to how far in it goes, is because we're afraid it would mean that there's no hope. If, if what I do, if my heart's inclinations actually say something about not just the external behaviors of what I've gotten into, but who I am, it's too much. I can't handle that. There's, there's got to be more from uh, for me. Um, it doesn't mean that there's no hope for us. Uh, it, it does mean we can't rely on ourselves to be good enough. Jesus isn't saying, here, so, so if you can be good enough to be the good tree where only good things always come out of you, uh, then great. <clears throat> I'm saying something more than that. It does mean that we can't rely on ourselves to be good enough. It does mean that we need more than just an external fix or behavior of a new method, of a new discipline or a new approach or a new ministry or a new church to be part of. It means we need more than that. It means we need someone who can clean the heart. It means we need someone who can give a new heart, a new life. And Ezekiel, God says this. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit i will put within you i'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules he gives a new heart uh, he gives it a new and a good heart that out of it come uh, good things. And Jesus says, uh, whoever abides in me, uh, he it is that will bear much fruit. Does it mean that the struggle with sin uh, doesn't, doesn't continue? Uh, but scripture talks about fruit, right? It talks about the fruit of the spirit. The spirit within us producing love and joy and patience and peace uh, and, and all these things. It comes not from us finally having been good enough. from from realizing that our whole nature needed to be changed uh, by Christ, that his resurrection and life was enough for it to be shared with us, for us to become new uh, in him, for us to be changed uh, from the inside out. Instead of being blind uh, to our own nature, Jesus calls us to admit the depth of our sin, to call out to him, to remake us, to continually uh, cleanse us so that from his life we can produce much fruit, the speck, uh, the tree, and more, deeply, more briefly, the house, <clears throat> uh, that you can not only be blind to your own faults or your own nature, but even maybe here uh, to your own future. Uh, he says, why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's, what he's like. It's like a man building a house, dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man built on a house on the ground without a foundation. And a stream broke against it. Immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And the thing that I want you to, to, to bring out to you first uh, is that these men never saw it coming. Uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't know the future. Uh, and especially in the passage, the one uh, without the foundation even though he'd skipped the hard work of digging down, of finding a rock and a suitable uh, building place, and the planning uh, that, that goes part of it, he didn't expect it all to come crumbling down. I don't know. Talking about the blind leading the blind uh, conjecture here, but probably there was someone else down the street who had built their house the exact same way, who was a respected and you know a respected builder. So he built his house that way. He thought, hey, this is going to be great. Well, it'll, it seems fine. And there's one sense where we're always blind to the future, but the question is, what does it take to be prepared? How do we not just ignore the possible consequences of how we live? How do we build our lives up for a better, better future? I'll put it that way. Uh, and Jesus says it involves more than words, more than just saying, a Lord, Lord. Following Jesus means applying what Jesus says, putting it into practice. Uh, if, you, if you say you're just going to follow me back to my house because I live a couple miles away from campus, there's a straight way to get there, but you got to do a few uh, little turns. If you, if you say, hey, you're going to follow me from, from campus, and then when I turn, you just, like, keep going. Uh, I don't know how to help you anymore, right? What, like, you have to put that in, into practice. If you're following, you, you go the same way. You do the things that Jesus says. Now, if you look back in this passage, Jesus says a lot of hard things. If you're familiar with Scripture a little bit, Jesus says some, some really hard things. Just early in this passage, uh, he said, love your enemies, have you tried to do that? Um, pick people that really get on your nerves and that you're bothered with and pray for them, love them, reach out to them. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Lend and expect nothing in return. I judge not. Or a little bit further back in the same chapter, in Luke's version of the Beatitudes, he talks about blessed are the poor and the hungry and the weeping now and those who are hated. And then he goes to the other side of it and says, woe to those who are rich. Who are full now? Who are laughing now? And thought well of uh, now? Right? and so much of what we pursue is having those things now. Uh, but the words teach us. Jesus's words teach us to live uh, beyond the now of present success, uh, to live for Christ's kingdom, to live uh, for a new age. And Jesus is not just using, like scare tactics uh, to 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 make. Oh no, here's what could happen. Uh, the, the warning that Jesus gives is, is a promise that this age is not all there is. Uh, it's not all that you're left to. These things are passing away. We had the verse earlier, our light and momentary afflictions are not worth comparing. Uh, with the weight of glory that's to be revealed, that Christ brings of his kingdom. And Jesus' call to us is not to, to simply live for what we might be able to build for ourselves. On the sand, when the storm comes, it's gone. But to live uh, for him, calling him Lord, uh, living by his word, it makes us lean on Christ, to lean on what Christ is building uh, for us uh, that lasts, even through uh, the new age as he returns. If a blind man leads a blind man, Jesus says, will they not both fall into a pit? Uh, But if a blind man reaches out to Jesus... How will not his eyes be opened as Jesus uh, leads him on? When Luke records the beginning of Jesus' ministry in, in Luke 4, he records him as reading these words from Isaiah about himself. And we'll close with this. But Jesus used these words about himself. "How The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.